0: What's up everybody welcome to another episode of the brutally speaking podcast i am host john and with me for this titillating episode is daniel terry how are you doing
1: oh i'm here uh, i don't know if titillated is the right word uh, i'm freezing to death uh, down here in my basement uh, which is not to, to be insensitive to all the people in texas that are actually freezing to death without power uh that's a <clears throat> that's a pretty garbage situation.
0: I saw some funny memes about all of this. One was which uh the US right now with the the cold front going th- is uh, looking like a hot pocket that you put in the microwave where it's hot on the ends and frozen in the middle.
1: Yeah, it's rough, man, because uh, I'm right here in the middle. I'm, I'm that frozen uh, meatball or pepperoni uh, in the center of that hot pocket. Um, as a matter of fact, <laughs> when, I, when I pulled into the drive driveway tonight after work, uh, I got so dangerously close to my wife's car that, like, uh, I think if you put a ruler, I think it'd be like half an inch. I'm half an inch from her vehicle because <laughs> everything everything's still froze over. And uh, my snow shovel's broken. So uh, here we are.
0: Well, here we are. I'm I'm just thankful that I spent that $100 years ago on a snowblower. So I don't really have to fuck with shoveling the actual snow. Well, that's nice. Yeah, because that shit's for the birds. (laughs) (laughs) My back thanks me. (laughs) There There you go. You got this. All of the bad weather aside, this episode's guest is Joanna Angel. Uh, most of you probably are aware of her for her work uh, working for Burning Angel, owning and starting Burning Angel, uh, being in adult films as a whole. Possibly, some of you know her from her writing. Uh, woman is a jack. Well, I guess you wouldn't call it a jack of all trades. Dude, is there a female equivalent to that? Is it a Jill of all trades, or what? what is I mean, it? I
1: guess I guess a Jill of all trades would, would be okay, if not a little bit lame. I mean, that's kind of like a that's kind of like Christian rock, right? I, sure. I just if, as I was, if you have to call it someone, so I would say I would I would still go with jack of all trades. I think I think it applies. I don't think it it has to have an inherent male uh, connotation. I mean, a jack of all trades. I mean, there's there's jackies that are that are female. That's true. That's true. You wouldn't you wouldn't call her a jackie of all trades.
0: No, it was just funny as I was saying. I was like, is there a female equivalent to a jack of all trades? I don't think I've ever heard that nah so jack of all trades fair enough and uh, she is here to talk about her new book club 42 which is already out as of when you're listening to this via cleese uh press this is our second choose your own uh erotic novel and uh this was actually an interesting book to read um i don't think i've really read many choose your own adventure books as i've gotten older let alone of the uh erotic novel variety and as you'll hear in this chat, we definitely get into some interesting topics, more about me, which was kind of interesting. She kind of threw the question on me and then just kind of kept asking me questions.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's what happens when you have something that's not uh, that's not available publicly yet. And I, because I know what that's like, especially like whenever we have podcast episodes that are like several weeks in advance uh, of when we actually release them. And just kind of like when I get really excited about, putting something out and then being like, oh, well only a handful of people have actually heard, seen, read, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so you're, you're kind of burning already, no pun intended for that, uh, you know, for that feedback. So, I mean, I, I totally get it like the whole flipping it around on you because um, you've read it and you have an original mind and opinions that aren't, you know, associated with, with what she did going into it. So it's, it's interesting getting a, a unique perspective.
0: Yeah, I think, It's kind of the funny thing. And, you know, I've long kind of wanted to dip my toes into getting someone from the adult entertainment industry on the show. I think there's a lot of, and I kind of briefly touched on them here on the show in my chat with Joanna, but there's been a lot of. Things that I've noticed uh, about the adult entertainment industry and just how it correlates to a lot of mainstream media and so forth, and it's definitely an industry as you you will hear uh, was one of my first jobs. Granted, it wasn't actually doing you know porn, but you know working at a strip club uh, almost out of high school. And you know some people may have their opinions on it, but I think uh, it is something that taught me a lot of valuable lessons as a young male. Um, you know, most that uh, I think to obviously find beauty in, in everybody, in every body shape and so forth. And that everyone is, is beautiful. Um, maybe very cliche sounding, but I remember being very surprised, you know, at kind of realizing that as I look back and was older and was like, huh, you know, that's an interesting learning thing that I think a lot of young men don't get to experience. And I think the other thing too is going to work every day and literally seeing women get naked kind of desensitizes you to it. So it's almost like once you really start dating, you're just like, Man, I don't really give a fuck about what you look like naked. I just want to get to know you.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that's one thing that that is lacking um, in a lot of people is just, uh, you know, so it's such a generalized statement. You know, a lot of people, I'm not going to specify uh, types of people or specific groups, but uh, I think, I think perspective and like actually understand it's, it's so easy to go on and on and on and on about your own perspective. You know, uh, I do it every single week uh, talking about music. Um, Oh, it's all about how I felt about it or where I was when that thing came out or whatever. (laughs) And, um, I think the I think perspective is is extremely important, especially when talking about topics like this, because um, you can't accommodate forever. You know, everybody always jokes that like, you know, you'll see something crazy on on online on YouTube or something like that. And you'll be all like, yep. Huh, and you just joke that like, yeah, as, as repulsive as I find this, this is someone's sexual fetish, you know. Um, but I mean, it, is that is that necessarily a joke? You know, um, or, or should it be in, in the sense that like everybody has their own, um, preferences yeah. and it's, it's for some reason, whenever, whenever it comes to, um, body type and, and things like that, for some reason, you're, you're almost judged for what your preferences on in, in body type. Um, which is so weird because like nobody, nobody judges me because I like the color blue more than I like the color purple, <laughs> you know, or, uh, that I enjoy eating cheeseburgers, uh, without, uh, without mayonnaise or I'm sorry, without mustard on them, bring the mayonnaise all day. Um, (laughs) but I don't like mustard on my hot dogs or on my burgers and stuff. And, um, and it's really kind of a weird comparison to make. Um, but, but I think it's just weird how, when, whenever you're talking about body types and preferences and things that like you're so criticized for what your preferences are when really in no other aspect of your life are you judged for that sort of thing
0: well i think you actually bring up a really good point there not really something i've thought of but in life if you were to really talk about i mean like I'll, I'll say this and you know i'm probably gonna catch some shit for you especially after what you just said but it's like i don't really like i don't i'm not really big on condiments so like i get a burger pretty much just bacon and cheese all i want on it yeah and it becomes a thing where on food but like a lot of things like if you were to say well i only listen to rock music or right. i only listen to this or i only do this one thing you would say to that person or the the general consensus of that person would be like that's really sad like you're missing out on all these things like wow like just think about all you're missing out on and i do think weird that in every other aspect of people's lives, we almost feel sorry for them for not experiencing a lot of different things. But when it comes to someone who is more sexually fluid or whatever, it's almost looked at with a, a bit of disdain, and and you know people being like, "Ugh."
1: Well, and I and I can take a little bit of a stab at that because I think I think a lot of it is 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 based on some sort of code of morality. Which is really handed down from religious principles, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether you agree with them or not. Like, there, I, know, I know tons of I know tons of non-religious people that still, for some reason, follow a very conservative, almost religious uh, moral code, <laughs> you know. And, and I always find that really, really funny because I'm just like, well, if you look at the if you look at the origins of what of, of where these social norms come from. Uh, you're you're actually going to find it in, in a place of religion, and and you're gonna you know um, that, it, that it's it's coming out of it's coming out of somebody's rule book somewhere, <laughs> you know, and and so I think that a lot of that is just residual and is passed down through generations where people are just uncomfortable with things, but they don't really understand why they're uncomfortable with it, but because everybody else appears to be uncomfortable with it, then it's just like anybody anybody that isn't uncomfortable with a certain concept is like they're considered weird and strange and it feels alien, you know. Uh, and i think because we've we've all had that kind of ingrained in us especially in the united states i can't really speak uh really in in for other countries but in the united states especially there's there's a lot of um, religious morals um that have just people have just taken their religion out of it and made it just morals or whatever um, and to call it morals when you're judging you know somebody's preference or somebody's body type or something like that is um it, if you're, if you're saying it's coming from a moral place then it it, it, it it insinuates <laughs> that uh, that there's something wrong with anything that doesn't follow that pattern of thinking, and so I think I think that's more specifically why people are so weird about things, like 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 weird about stuff like sexuality, or weird about um, even I mean I, I don't know there's, I could get into a whole lot of other topics <laughs> about that stuff, but um, but I think that I think that's kind of the why why people are so uncomfortable because I do feel like that if we if we all grew up in a vacuum there's a lot of things that we would think were totally fine <laughs> that nobody would really even have a problem with. Right. Uh, but for, for whatever reason, because we're, we're not in a vacuum and we're, we're heavily influenced by um, societal pressure on, on to be a certain way or to, you know, um, and this, this kind of goes into the whole like gender fluidity or, you know, uh, idea too, in that like people just feel like might is right. And if everybody, you know, gets together and says, this is what we have decided is objectionable, uh, then yeah you're going to end up with a lot of weird reactions anytime somebody kind of breaks that norm
0: I don't really have anything else really to add to that currently so I think without yeah, further sorry ado
1: for, for an episode that I was like I don't know if I can contribute much to this chat but <laughs> um, I think uh,
0: all things considered we should get into my chat with Joe and we'll talk to you guys on the other side of it the pleasure of talking to Joanna Angel who's author of Club 42 which comes out February 16th and is it clice or cleese 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 okay see the east coast in me wants to move my uh my vowels in a certain way when I want to pronounce them but living in the midwest yeah. makes me completely want to change them too so I'm always like is it clice is it cleese <laughs> Cle- yeah. Um, so I got the book yesterday, late yesterday, and I think I'm about three quarters of the way through it as a whole. Um, oh my
2: god! Thank you. You you're so responsible. I've done so many interviews with people who haven't read the book at all, and it's kind of like, yo, you could have read like uh, two pages, you know. But that made, I'm so happy because I. The book's not out yet, so I haven't really talked to people who have been reading it. And, well, um, that
0: was actually going to be one of my first questions, is what has been the reaction to this, given the fact that, at least for me, not being super versed in in this kind of medium as far as literature, I don't really know that I've ever heard of kind of a choose-your-own-adventure erotic novel.
2: Yeah, there there really hasn't been any, so I don't want to. One that I found before I wrote the book, so I could do some research. But like literally one, <laughs> mm. so it's not like a like a genre, like one erotic book. But um, well, what I know it's my interview, but what did you think? It's it's good. I actually prefer to know the so the, it, the thought of someone who doesn't read erotica usually because.
0: So yeah. what's, what's funny about it, and and I figured this was going to lead to a lot of really fun, interesting conversations. Um, is so. One of my first jobs straight out of high school was working at a strip club.
2: Oh my God! You were the perfect person to read the book!
0: So when I, the way it starts with Indica or Naomi, however you want to address her, because, you know, there's real in in the work life um, as far as names and so forth. There was just so many things about the book that, like, I was reading it next to my wife while we were watching TV, or I was sort of watching TV. But, like... I just kept laughing because I was like, "Holy shit, that is! Oh my god, that's so fucking that's so fucking accurate!" Like, the DJ. When you described the DJ, I was like, "If he doesn't have long, greasy hair or glasses," oh, and, and, have- and, and, and as soon as you described his hair, I was like, "Oh my god, it's it's totally that guy!" And then when you were kind of describing <laughs> Naomi's reaction to his voice, I always joke with my wife because, like, w- between my wife and some of our friends, we've gone to strip clubs all over um all over the U.S. and I always is like, you know, in my time in working there, I was like, you know, they always have long, greasy hair. Usually, like, at least in my experiences, some of them are also doing like amateur porn <laughs> on the side with yeah. some of the girls that work there. And they always slip into that voice. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you hear it and be like, guys, get your tips ready. Here comes yeah, the lovely. And, a a a, voice. Yeah. and they were like, well, you should do that. I was like, I don't have the hair, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and something that was also really interesting to me, and I kind of want to get into this because maybe you can offer more insight as to why this is a thing. But I have found other than when I go to like um shit no, I'm blanking on Magic City. When I go to Magic City, like obviously their whole demographic is hip hop and they play shit that I have never fucking heard and I feel really dumb when I'm there because people like know the the spots when the beat drops and they sing a song with it and all that kind of stuff and then just an eruption of money goes and shit like that. But more oftentimes than not, hip hop is kind of not really allowed or it gets played very minimally or it's edited. Well, and it's like, why the fuck is that?
2: Because strip clubs are mostly owned by, uh, uh, old white men, you know, who are kind of, yeah. I don't know. You know, I'm not gonna make a huge generalization, but you know, they think, Oh, <laughs> if they play rap music. It's going to be nothing but like thugs in here. That's what they think. You know, they think it's going to um, change the crowd. Um, And they want those rich businessmen in there and they, um, but to be fair, I feel like in every town you will have, I mean, I've traveled the country, um, and I have gone to strip clubs and, uh, I feel like every town has the club that only plays hip hop (laughs) and then they have the clubs that specifically don't. So at least there is a place, you know,
0: right. That kind of caters to the demographics.
2: It is true. It does change the demographic um, of the club, you know. And they, I guess some clubs really, really want those rich businessmen coming in, and then some of them don't. You know, some of them, you know, they're they're owned by old white men who are like, oh, I don't want gangsters in here. You know, I'm scared. You know, that's <laughs> that's kind of the truth. Um, but uh, but there are all kinds of strip clubs. Actually, I guess because of my look and like i always dance to rock and metal you know i'm you know i i I don't really um dance to hip-hop i'm not good at it but some (laughs) girls are really good at it that's like their thing and that's what they do um you know there are different clubs that that have the the different thing but yeah it is it is very common um that you'll hear
0: i think something um, that was interesting to me sort of about it though is not only just in the writing but there's a lot of there's a lot of cool things about this book, and and not even just in the erotic sense, but just in literature, the way you wrote it, the way you describe things that, I was like, this is so inclusive. I mean, yes, it, it gets it gets that very was
2: very important to me in the book. To, it, um, I mean, and that's that's what I think modern sex is. You know, if you're going to write an erotic novel today, and you don't you don't have like different kinds of sex like that's just erotica these days should not be like limited to heterosexual sex that's just not a realistic um slice of of sexuality right now
0: you know well i think that was kind of the interesting thing about it is a it felt very like i felt like you were very aware of the various fetishes that people may have i felt like you were very uh playing into you you obviously wrote it from a woman's perspective but what was interesting is you know like in I don't necessarily want to give anything away but you know there's a a scene with with the main character's boyfriend and you talk about the duality that is is prevalent in their relationship between how they are when they're just kind of home and the sex that they have and then there's kind of this adventurous other side that Indica kind of starts having with with Rob and right. I think what's interesting about it is you you describe how, oh, well, you know, Rob wasn't this way. And am, am I should I play into the, the role, the role playing we're doing or not? Or and the way you kind of threw the, the choose your own adventure style within that narrative and the way you tackled explaining those stories like, yes, here's kind of the more adventurous one. Here's kind of more of a, a different way was really interesting because I feel like in some books when you're reading, you sometimes wonder, oh, I wonder how that could have played out differently. And here you literally right. are writing such a very full narrative of the of all the characters involved, and it's really interesting.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Grant, did, you I, did you down I, the path where she doesn't tell Rob, or have you not gone down that one yet?
0: Doesn't tell Rob... Okay, so so far I've gone through where she... <laughs>
2: Yeah, you you wanted her to tell Rob about stripping. It seems no, no, like. okay.
0: So I I did I I went down that path where he did, and then I went down the path of like where seemingly he leaves because of the the mishap with the shoe. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Then the 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 two different endings of their relationship, kind of in the book. Um, obviously, the one with I think her name was Brandy. Uh, yeah. The, the kind of two scenarios between Tony and Brandy and and the club in the first you know first couple months okay. there. Um, I think through perusing because I have a PDF, so it kind of gets a little bit harder when yeah. you're going back and forth and trying to remember. Okay, so where am I going? Like, I literally got stuck because it was like, go back to 306, now go to 303, and I'm like, I already read these two. How do I get back to whatever choice did not get here? So oh, well, it uh, was a little bit challenging uh, with that, trying to hurry up and get to some of the other stories. But
2: yeah, yeah, great. Well, that's awesome. I'm really glad you had like you had fun with it. You
0: know? Yeah, I uh, I think the other thing that was Pretty interesting to me, and I kinda wanted to, you know, talk about this a little bit more. With the choose your own adventure style of writing, does that create more challenges in writing or because you're not writing in a in a linear fashion? Or does oh. it actually make it easier because you're kind of open ended and can tell story multiple stories at once?
2: Um, no, I mean look I guess I haven't had the pleasure yet of writing a whole novel that wasn't choose your own adventure yet. Cause this is my second novel, both my first and second novel were choose your own adventure. So I honestly don't know what it's like to write a book. <laughs> um, you know, writing a book is challenging to begin with, but this was very challenging. Um, not only, you know, it's hard enough to, to come up with an idea, you know, everybody experiences writer's block. Um, hard enough to come up with an idea but like you have to come up with lots of an idea lots of ideas and all those ideas have to have the mini ideas I mean there's like eight different beginnings middles and endings and all of those eight have their own little splits within them so it does make it hard it makes it complicated and especially like you know the most important part when you write a book is developing characters and like I had to just develop them and give them their own like characteristics but then they had to be different, and every single path, <laughs> trying not to repeat yourself, and just trying to make everything you know different. Or like you know, I get really like attached or or into it when I'm writing like a storyline, and then and then like I get into it, and then I'm like, well, now I have to wrap the storyline up and go back and like write a whole different one. So it was totally challenging. And like when I look back, and even just I look back at the book and kind of read it, and I'm like, how did I do this? You know, it's one of those things. <laughs> in the thick of it, like, you know, I, I guess most of the time when I was writing the book, the best way to describe it is like, I felt like I was swimming like on mm. water and like, I couldn't see the top until, until I finished, you know,
0: <laughs> what is, you know, I, don't necessarily like doing a whole lot of research anymore because I don't because I kind of feel like I'll know some of the answers or kind of
2: hey, whatever.
0: steer it somewhere. But what is your writing process like? How do you do? You just kind of jot a general a plot or slowly work at it, or what is your process?
2: Um, I, I mean, I do start with an outline. I mean, at first it has to come up with. You have to start with just a vague idea. Like this is a, a one sentence. This is the story of a girl <laughs> that starts stripping in New York. You know. That you have to come up with first. Like, first, you just need, like, what is this book about? Um, and then after that, I just you know, I go into I'll start writing down characters. Um, you know, start sometimes I'll just kind of write out different like events, but yeah. Then I'll write like an outline, but in this case, I needed like multiple outlines. Actually, it's actually more of like a book map, hmm. but. This actually happened the first with my first novel, and now my second one. I wrote a. I spent like a good few weeks on like a, a a map. You know, this is gonna happen, and this is gonna go here, and then this is gonna go here. And halfway through the book, that map just went out the window. Because sometimes, like while you're writing, you got to just go with your instincts, and you just keep going. You know, I would start writing. I'm like, no, no, no. Now that I know this character better, they wouldn't want to do that. So I'm just. Gonna... <laughs> and then halfway through the book, I'm like, I have to make it completely new map because all of this is fucked you know (laughs) um and that happened the first time i wrote the the first book i wrote and then in the second one i was like i'm going to make sure that doesn't happen this time now i have experience now i'm gonna now i know what to do and it happened this time too Mm. so i think that's just normal you know because you can't it takes a long time to write a book this is this is not like something you do over one night you know this is I mean it took me about well a, a hardcore working 4 months but but in total about 6 months.
1: Mm.
2: And the book was assigned. I did ha- technically have a year to write it but of course I didn't start till, you know, months <laughs> in but but I did have the idea a year like as soon as the book was uh, like assigned to me like I I had an idea pretty quickly.
1: Mm.
2: So at least I had the idea and then 6 months later I started on the outline but you have to understand that throughout that process like like you you kind of change like you have different ideas like as you're writing like you your brain is not in the same place when you're in the middle of you know when you're on page 220 than when you were on page 1 like you're you know especially cuz you're kind of losing your mind so you've been writing everything <laughs> you kind of you really start to like especially writing fiction like you really start to like feel like you become part of their world and like things just change you're in a very different place mentally than when you first sat down and like, and, and made an outline. You know what I mean?
0: Out of curiosity, because something you were just saying about, you know, kind of being ensconced in the world that you're creating, is there a bit of like a, I don't know if like separation anxiety is necessarily what I'm thinking of, but like, is there a bit of kind of like, oh, well now that's done. And and my relationship that I've basically built with this character, this person I've created like it's gone. Like I, I'm, I'm done with this person. Kind of. I, was there any of that? Well,
2: no, they still exist in here. You know. Okay. They, they, they exist inside the book. But I know what you mean. Um, I would actually experience that while writing, like in Choose Your Own Adventure, mm. because I write so much about one character, and then at a certain point, I'd have to wrap that story up and go back and develop a different character. Sometimes I'd have to like take a few days off because I was like, okay, I can't, I can't have like favorite. I need every single character and every single path and every single adventure to be just as important as each other. So I, I, it's almost like I had to like, like start over, but it's pretty strange. Like you really feel like, I I don't know, you really feel like you've disappeared into a, a world that you've created. It's, um, it's pretty cool. I think writing fiction is, I think a great, um, a great exercise for people, um, Especially these days, you know, everybody's very like uh, social media and whatever. Everybody's very obsessed with like, themselves, you know. And I, am guilty of I kind of have to be for a living. I have to promote myself, and exploit myself, and like be my version of myself on steroids all the time. If that makes any sense, and I feel like everyone's like that. Whether you're a celebrity or not, you're kind of always. Reporting about yourself to the public, like with social media these days, and writing fiction really helped me just like escape. You Mm -hmm. know, like I'm talking about myself; these are other people. I am like getting into the minds and brains of other people, and I think it's a think it's pretty healthy thing to do.
0: Well, I think you know something you kind of touched on there is something that I've often kind of noticed and always actually really wanted is wanted to kind of shed more light on and, and. have someone on this podcast to kind of talk about it a little bit, but it's like I've always kind of noticed that the porn industry has really been one that was one of the first where being your own brand was huge to your success. And it seems like a lot of things that we – now see so many people doing you know act mainstream celebrities and so forth where they have a brand they have they venture out into all these things and it's kind of very much about them and what how they present themselves like you said basically just kicked up like a shitload and i've always thought that the porn industry basically set the tone for the rest of what mainstream entertainment's going to do i mean you look at renting from when you had VHS tapes and good rents and oh. stuff like that to then even getting away from that and going to blue or uh, DVD versus I think it was uh laserdisc or whatever at the time to having streaming stuff to clips online to now having various forms of social media and so forth. And it was one of those where it's always intrigued me that for as as everyone looks down on the industry it's the one that creates and basically is the foundation for what everything else fucking does and i'm always like it's it's shocking
2: i've seen like uh, clothing ads that completely imitated Mm. porn i mean where else are you gonna go if it's part of your job to make girls look sexy you're gonna get inspired i've seen music videos that are definitely like like they (laughs) They took inspiration from a porn and sometimes it's frustrating because you can like you know especially with these pop stars it's like their budget is clearly much larger than the budget of a porn so they, they take they take some of our ideas and they, they make them much better
0: <laughs> but I think it speaks to you no, know but, um, when I was messaging with your publicist yesterday I was like oh I've always wanted to get Joanna on because I feel like you are you are very much in the same rock metal space that this podcast typically exists in, but you, from your career starting Burning Angel and stuff, like I remember hearing about it from my now best friend's now wife. But when they were dating, like she was had gotten one of the first Burning Angel DVDs, and I was like, "This is yours." She goes, "It's you know that," and uh, I know it's a, a taboo kind of thing to talk about now, but uh was that fucking site that every girl was on, every alternative girl was on? I can see that. Uh, yeah, Suicide Girls um, had some of that kind of stuff, and it was interesting because you mar- you married the kind of DIY punk rock scene that I think a lot of us in the metal and you know harder alternative styles of music are into because that's how we had to do it. Any kind of success we got is it's built on our own hard work and and the connections we've made. Yeah. And it seemed like you know thinking about those early Burning Angel DVDs of having some of the punk rock bands that you knew. You know, lend you the music and so forth. And it was one of those where you have been always go oriented and very business driven. And it's been one where to see over the oh, fuck almost 20 years, I guess, uh, or almost at this point, so that it's. it's I know. And it's one of those where when I see your career and I see what you've done, it's like, well, yeah, the foundation was there for her to be successful. She fucking worked at it and has built an empire. Like, why wouldn't we want more people who kind of came from nothing to kind of have you be like the beacon of like, look, you can do it, too. You just have to fucking want it.
2: Wow, I really I really appreciate that you said that, you know, I feel like. Like, uh. A lot of people don't even you know, I feel like a lot of people now they don't realize like it's hard to really even explain to people like this is burning angel 20 years ago. Like it's it's almost like people don't believe me. People. It's so easy now to start your own brand and like get your name out there. And like, you know, like I I did these things before you there was like a Twitter or like a Facebook or like a place where you can go viral or like, you know what I mean? Um. I feel like when I tell people about the beginning days of Burning Angel, like I'm talking about like the Stone Age.
0: (laughs) But I mean, that was a weird, that was a very transitional time. And I feel like you were one that kind of realized the industry was changing and it was kind of going, you know, something I I think I remember you saying actually in one of those DVDs, the behind the scenes of it. I think you had said something to the effect of like people want to see themselves essentially they want to see people that they see every day not these unattainable models types and yeah. you were so far ahead of what would become now like the the amateur boom of what we're seeing yeah. in the industry and it's like it's it's hard not to sit there and go like she fucking called it twenty years ago now here we are <laughs> like get props where it's due
2: yeah. Well, well, thank you. Yeah, I guess you you understand the beginning.
0: Well, I think you even kind of—that's something else that I thought was really interesting about the book—is I feel like you have done a very good job of. I mean, it, it's not this way to me because, like I said, I've spent time in in this realm, but like destigmatizing the negative aspects of it, like where it's like you know, yes, you kind of talked about some of the gross-looking dudes that are there, and you know, their chest hair and their whatever, but. You also showed kind of the sincerity of some of the like, why, like the the relationships you grow with some of these people that you see week in and week out, oh, your yeah. regulars and so forth, and you know it it really humanizes the experience, which is what I took away from it. And there's so many things that. You know, I get a lot of like, oh, you worked at a strip club? And I'm like, it was, at 18, it probably was one of the greatest things for my development as a person. Like, I learned that women of all shapes and sizes are beautiful. I learned that there are various reasons why people get into it. And it's a job. And at the end of the day, the one thing that they're selling, and you make a great point of this in your book, is what is more empowering than literally only selling yourself? You are the only thing you have to sell. That's the ultimate in self-confidence. And you yeah. did that very well in what you know Naomi's first experience, and as she gained more confidence throughout, and and all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, "See, this is this is basically what I saw, and why well, I, I wish more people would have that experience and go into it with the, those kind of perceptions."
2: People really uh, with this with all aspects of sex work, they they don't treat it like a regular job, like what I definitely tried to do in this book, and I've actually read other books. I guess about sex work. And I I feel like everything is such an extreme in the book. Like the, you know, either it's a story of trauma, Mm. you know, or it's a story of like, everything is empowering. Everything is amazing. And, you know, just this attitude where I've, you know, read certain things, you know, books of kind, you know, either fiction or nonfiction about sex work where it's like, and this guy, he's just nothing but money to me. And I want his money and blah, blah, blah. Like, like, almost just, like, everything is just so extreme, you know, and it's, like, you know, there's really special things about sex work where, like, some days are just days, and there's good days, and there's bad days, and a bad day doesn't mean you're, like, triggered, or you're, like, going through trauma. A bad day could mean, like, you're kind of hung over, and you don't really know how to pull it together, you know, and you need to, like, put a good face on, you know, like, <laughs> and, like, that's just, that's just part of what you got to do, you know, like, like it's one thing when you're having a bad day and everybody has a bad day and you have to go to work and sit behind a desk and suck it up. But it's another thing when you are having a bad day and you have to get naked and like flirt with people. Um, you know, so so I tried to just capture like here is the day-to-day life of somebody who worked at a strip club and, and there are friends and there are enemies and there are, are humorous things. And I also think the relationship between the girls and the customers is special. Like like, you know, some some really handsome guys come in and even the funny looking guys like you have still a special relationship with one another. And it doesn't mean like the girl is just looking at him at him it's nothing but like a cash cow. And the guy is looking at her because he's pathetic and lonely and can't get laid. But th- there's like a lot more to it than that. Like, you know, like all walks of life come into a strip club, you know, like it's not like like this, this like cartoonish version of like it's nothing but lonely (laughs) don't get laid like people who get laid go to a strip club people go for all sorts of reasons you know people go because it's their birthday people go because maybe because they are going through like a tough time or people will go just because i don't know they got off work and the strip club was right there and they were killing time like you know like and and girls work there for all sorts of reasons so i i tried to really uh humanize it and make a real account of of all the different aspects um, of uh of of stripping and that's very fun that you worked at a strip club so you understand um it was
0: it's you know there was it's such an interesting thing you know like (laughs) there was there was a handful of things throughout the book that so far that i've read where i was just like god this reminds me of this that happened in my life like you know and it's something I was waiting for and maybe it happens just because it's it's another side of that work experience that I still laugh at when I think of it when I go back to strip clubs and shit like that but like having worked the door initially when I started you know I was down by the bathrooms and there were times I would hear one of the girls and she'd be like oh my god I had some bad food I'm just not feeling good and then you'd hear, hey, so-and-so is coming up next to the stage, and she'd come running out after just yeah. basically clogging the toilet.
2: Yeah, you got to just pull it together. And
0: you know? then, you know, I'm like, there are dudes literally throwing a shitload of money at this girl, no pun intended, after she just literally, like, shit her pants out and, like, is, you know, clogging the toilet, and I'm taking care of that, and she's making money. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it's it's just kind of, like, the the allure of kind of all of it. You know, it's something else that was kind of interesting, and I really was kind of, like, on edge a little bit when you were writing about Naomi and Rob, like, of her explaining to him, like, so this is my job.
2: Mm-hmm. And what was interesting... Yeah. What, what I in the book, that, that there's two different paths where she tells him about the, her job, and then one, there's a whole story where she hides it from him, and, mm-hmm. like, there are chapters and chapters and chapters of her... Just leading a double life, um, mm-hmm. so't la-
0: there yet, sadly
2: I, I, that, that parts you know very fun so in in one in uh part, rob is is like a nice guy and he's supportive, but in the other one, he's totally not supportive, and that happens too when you're a stripper, every like so nine times out of ten strippers have terrible boyfriends <laughs> yeah. I was one, so but yeah. anyway, sorry I
0: it really, it was funny because yeah. it reminded me of. I was dating this girl and we had been dating for like maybe two weeks. And I remember like we pull up to my house and she's like, I have to tell you something. And I was like, Oh shit, something, something serious just by the tone. And I was like, you're a stripper. And she was just like, no. And then it like lingered. And I was like, you do amateur porn. And she was like, not entirely. And I was like, just tell me whatever it is. I was like, I worked at a strip club. Like I'm, and it's your choice, your body, you do whatever you want. Like, you know, just at least tell me what you're doing. So I at least know. And she's like, so a couple times, like, you know, I've done this thing with uh, some friends where I basically am on a fetish site where I beat up dudes topless. And I was like, okay. And then she's like, well, you're fine with those. Like, I don't care. That's that's your choice. You can do whatever you want. And then, but, you know, being a typical guy, as soon as she, like, left to go get something, I, like, immediately beelined and went onto the site. And the first thing I saw was some leggy blonde just throat-kicking the shit out of some dude, and I laughed so hard, and I was like, yeah, I'm fine with that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah, it's always, like, a thing. Because, you know, it is, it's a tough thing. Relationships and sex work, because you know, fortunately with porn, it was like if I went on a date with someone, they, they already knew, you know, like, well, once I got to a certain level, <laughs> it was impossible to to hide that. But um, but yeah, because it's like sometimes you don't want to bring it up on the first date because you don't want that to be the only thing you talk about and you don't want it to be you don't want them to, you want to see how they act with you normally, you know, so you don't want to bring it up in the first date. But then if you bring it up too late, then it's like weird too. It's like you, it's very difficult. And then also as like a, a person, you know, dating or whatever, you know, you're doing, like, um, you have to find the perfect balance. It's hard mm. to find that magic thing. Cause if you go on a date with someone and they're too into it, then it's annoying and it's weird and like they're they're like getting off to it like you don't want that you don't want something <laughs> too into it and you also don't want somebody who hates it you need to find that a happy medium where they're kind of like okay but you know <laughs> which is very hard to find because people usually don't just shrug their shoulders and and say okay to like you know a job where you're naked or you know or you're having sex with people for a living or whatever it is so that's the tough thing because like a lot of times the people who are really into it can be worse than the people who hate it because the people who hate it, at least you know where they stand and you, you know what to expect, you know? And you just have to make that decision. Well, this person hates it. If I'm going to stay with them, I either can't do it anymore or I just need to break up with them. And it's, it just makes things very clear cut. When somebody like is really into it, it's almost like, it's like, then you're, you know, I actually did that for a little while like once where it's like the person I was just like dating someone who was like, so into it where like all he want, it's like almost like I went to work and like got, you know, was getting people off and at work, you know, like, and then it's like, I'd come home and I'd have to like get him off by telling him the story of everything that happened at work. I'm like, I just want to talk about what we're going to eat for dinner. <laughs> yeah. Like to me, work is normal, you know, right. Like at a certain point, it's like, you know, I think you're more of like a fan than like, a, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, I think at this point you have to start paying me to like <laughs> <laughs> hear about these, you know, like, so you got to find just like a, a happy medium. And it's, that's hard to find, you know, and not everybody's like that, you
0: know? But sort of in you talking, you know, about finding a balance, it actually kind of, you know, something, you know, I've been with my wife for 10 years, been married for five and, you know, something I ask because I, you know, work a full-time job, so does she. I do this, which is essentially almost another full-time job and so forth. Yeah. And, you know, something I, I try to gain some perspective and knowledge from some people that are way more successful and busier uh, than than I am. How, how have you found a way to find balance in your life? It seems like you're so career-oriented and goal-oriented. And I know, obviously, you know, you without overstepping, I know you have a partner that seemingly as well. So I feel like that helps, but I mean, how have you been able to find the balance of work and personal life and just, you know, maybe fucking off and doing nothing sometimes?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think for a very long time, I really didn't have any balance, but that's okay because I loved my work being my whole life. And you know, when I met my, you know, who's now my husband, when I did meet him, I, you know, I think it was was pretty honest about that. And so I just, you know, but I also knew that he was very much excited to be part of my world, Mm. you know, um, it did come to a point though. And, you know, everybody says it to like small business owners, which is is essentially what I was, you know, people would be like, you need to find balance, but like, you know what, if you're a small business owner, you don't need balance. You need to make your business succeed. (laughs) 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 That is the most important thing. Um, but that's why at a certain point, um, when, when the day came, when I got to buy the business, you know, I did, I sold burning angel about two years ago. I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, you know, uh, it was time, you know, and I'm, I'm very happy that I did everything that I did that got burning angel to that point. Cause now I can relax more, but it's still not really part of my personality to relax. So I am still like, I, <laughs> I never really skipped a beat, but, you know, um, you got to just be happy. I mean, that's the most important thing. If you're happy working all the time, then work all the time, you know. But, um, but if you're not happy working all the time, then you, you got to find a way to change that. But I guess balance has never been very important to me. <laughs> I, I managed to always, like, because Burning Angel was, like, a company that, like, really, like, aligned with everything I loved – I was just able to like everything I was passionate about. Like if I went to like a concert, it was also kind of work related, you know, because you know, in some way or another, like, you know, burning angel was like this, whatever metal rock and roll, like website, like being part of the music scene was important for that. So it's, you know, I could almost justify everything as like, well, this is work ish, you know, but not work. You know what I mean? Like when you love, like when you love what you do, it, it, it doesn't feel like work, but, um, I did take my first, like, real vacation, like, after I sold the business, um, and that was really nice. But you know what? Even, like, after, like, like, I went on, like, a five-day hike. I didn't touch my phone or whatever. And then I went on a beach vacation where I did nothing for, like, a week. After two weeks of doing, like, nothing, like, I was like, I, okay, that was enough vacation vacation. <laughs> And this was the first vacation I took in in like 15 years. So, you know, you got to just, uh, but I will say I love, I've always loved like cooking and eating is something that you need to do every day, no matter how busy you are. So like sometimes when life was really busy, even just like cooking a meal for a good two hours was like a really good way for me to have just like, okay, this has nothing to do with work. This is like nothing like, you know, this is just like time for me, you know, but yeah.
0: What's one of your your favorite dishes to cook?
2: Ooh. uh, I like making a lot of different dishes.
0: Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I I mean... Or I guess maybe here's a better way to ask that question. What do you think, if you were to make something that represents you in a culinary way, what would it be?
2: Ooh. Man, that's that's a good question. Well... When I do cook, like I like to, I do like like a challenge because like I said, if I'm just going to have something simple, I'll just order takeout, you know, like I don't need to, you know, if I'm just making something quick and simple. So when I do cook, I'm, I want to cook something, um, Kind of complicated, but uh but I really I specialize in like I like making healthy, you know, kind of like paleo or keto or whatever foods. There was a while where I made my own cauliflower crust and like I really perfected it. I like got it down where I could make it. I could lift it up, I could like sandwiches out of it, like just basically out of cauliflower and eggs and spices and stuff like that. So I guess my specialty, if I would ever like open a restaurant or something, I would make like like uh, I would take dishes like lasagna or pasta or pizza. You know, I'd take like traditional junk food like dishes, and I'd make them paleo. That's kind of that's kind of what I do when I feel like cooking. Is I think fi- as I take a dish that I'd want to eat, and then I figure out how to make it like <laughs> like healthy, and then I challenge myself to do it.
0: Have you, excuse me, have you thought about making a cookbook?
2: I've thought about it. Maybe one day we'll see. We'll see.
0: What are <laughs> you know, that was kind of something else I, I kind of wanted to know, like with just how diverse of a, a quote unquote portfolio you have with all the businesses and so forth that you've done. What is something, what is something, you know, 20 years into your career and being as successful as you have, what is something that you want to do, but maybe haven't started yet that, you know, drives you or has you excited for like the next big challenge? <sighs>
2: I don't know yet. I mean, finishing this book was one of them, and now I'm done. Um, Well, you know, right now, (laughs) (laughs) my husband hates when I talk about it, but I guess at some point now, finally, after 20 years, I'm like, maybe, (laughs) just maybe, I want to have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know. I might even be too old. We'll see. But it was something I never really, ca- you know, wanted or uh, my whole, you know, I always thought about my business. So I guess I, it was kind of funny. Cause as soon as I sold the business, that was like kind of the first time I thought about it. So I guess my mm-hmm. business was like my baby, but, um, but I don't know. I want to, you know, right now my big goals are not work related. I guess I have like, you know, my, I guess my goal right now is to, to try to do slightly less work. Like I want to, you know before covid i was going to go on like a, like a 3 week like hike in like mm-hmm. mexico by myself like you know i just like i want to do shit like that I, you know i want to but then covid hit and i couldn't go anymore so you know i want to travel um, i actually want to see if if i could maybe maybe get into the world of like radio or like podcasting or like something like that you know but I, I just, you know, um, I'm still directing. I'm still, you know, I'm still shooting. I'm, you know, I'm definitely still, still working. Uh, but yeah, I guess my goal now is to, you know, I just want to like have more fun and chill, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I've hit most things on my bucket list. Maybe I'll, you know, I hope to write another book. I really enjoy doing it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm. I'll see where the where the world takes me.
0: It was kind of funny as I was reading this book and cuz I played a game that was a sort of choose your own adventure kind of style game very recently, which I don't usually play those kind of games, so it's kind of serendipitous timing that I just literally played a game that way that has multiple endings and so forth and now here I am reading essentially a book of the same oh, kind of Which that? game? It's called a Man of Man of Medine or M E D A N. It's sort of a I guess it's a at least there's another game already but, like, this guy, and it's a famous actor, and I totally am blanking on his name, that is the likeness and the, the voice of this this narrator who throws you into a story that's happening. And the one that I picked, because uh, a video game store was going out of business, so it was, like, super cheap. So it was like, fuck it, whatever. And you're basically like a crew of like four or five uh, friends or whatever that are looking for like buried treasure of sorts out in the ocean and some shit happens and like ghost ship stuff and whatever. And you're trying to get all of your crew to get out alive. So I thought Uh, I I was doing really good. And then I lost two of my people (laughs) right at the end. And I was like, God damn it. Now I got to play this all over again and get them all out. But uh, it was kind of interesting because during that game they would give you stats like, you know this many people when they play it this is what they chose too, or you know more people did this oh. or, and i was thinking it was like it'd be kind of cool if there was some way to have an interactive experience with this book where then when you're choosing what you choose you can see who else has chosen like oh more people chose this versus whatever just a weird interactive part of it
2: yeah like, or
0: turn it into a weird like vr game or something i don't know
2: Yeah, right. Well, that would be fun to know, like, you know, which people picked what. I mean, I hope everybody goes back and goes. Oh, for sure. That's the goal. But, you know, I guess we'll see. I mean, I feel like there's always one path. You know, some of them, it's like, you know, they're picking one, like the more sexual ones where it's like, do you want to go with Brandy or or, nah, do you want to go by yourself? Like, of (laughs) course. You know?
0: Um, I I asked my co-host, I was like, Hey, do you w- do you want me to send you the PDF? Because we're not gonna get to this episode for probably another week or so. So he'd have time to read it. And I was like, and he goes, Uh I uh, I think I'd rather just, you know, talk about the, the episode itself. And I was like, Dan, I was like, I really wanted to ask you, did you choose anal sex or did you choose <laughs> the yeah. hand job? And he was just like, Yeah, I don't really feel comfortable <laughs> answering that. <laughs> And I was like, well, I'll be the pervert for both of us, and I guess now I have to go down all these story avenues so I can tell you how what happens and, and all that kind of stuff. But it was sort of funny, and I just was thinking about more of an interactive experience with this and the possibilities of that and so forth. Um, kind of changing yeah. gears just a, a little bit, um, you know, this is a, something that I know that you are a part of, but I haven't really seen you, again, talk too much about this. Um, Doom's Whiskey.
2: Oh, yeah. I know. Well, yes, that is my husband and I. It's a whiskey that we own. Um, You can buy a bottle at doomswhiskey.com. That is something I need to work on more. Um, I have to say the world of alcohol is really much more challenging than I thought it would be. God damn. I got very spoiled. I became such an important person in the porn industry where if I Wanted something to happen. Even if I couldn't <laughs> happen, I at least knew what steps I needed to take to try to make something happen. And, like, God, alcohol has been very difficult. And I also need to say it made me really appreciate porn <laughs> because I've met some huge, huge scumbags in the liquor industry and in my dealings with it. Bigger scumbags than I've ever met in the porn industry. Um, so I need to say that. But Doom's Whiskey, uh, it is our a small batch whiskey that my husband and I have created. Um, and uh, at the moment, um, in which I'm working on expanding at the moment, uh, we only have distribution in California. Um, yeah, I'd like to see you, if
0: I could get it in my area. And sadly, I can't I can
2: buy a bottle online and get it sent to you. If you go on DoomsWhiskey.com, Um you can get it. You know, you can get a bottle shipped to you, which can you? I know. Yeah, you can. Okay. You can.
0: Cool. Yeah. I'll have to buy a bottle when I'm done with this.
2: I'll so that's the way you can get it but that is my goal this year now that you've asked me other things I'm doing I need to get <laughs> nationwide distribution for Dooms Whiskey because that would be that would be amazing so we'll see we'll see if I can.
0: how did I mean because what I've read uh, flavor profile of it, it sounds really interesting so how did how did you two land on this kind of being the flavor profile you wanted
2: I have to give my husband was a craft cocktail mm. bar when I first met him and I used to hear the way him and his friends talked about (laughs) liquor like to me I was like liquor is something I drink to get drunk like I was not like like, romantic uh, or you know I didn't like uh intellectualize it the way these people did and I was like I was like you know and he would always like I'd see him do these whiskey tastings and or whatever when I go to work with him you know, and I would sit at the bar when he was working and I just remember being like, You should like you should have your own whiskey, you know? And he was like, Oh, I don't you know, I have my ideas and blah blah blah. And I, I looked into it. So I was more like the business one. I figured out how to make it happen and I hooked us up with a distiller. But then once that started, basically it started with a distiller sent us like a you know, like a base. I don't even know what the right word is for it. Just like this is my whiskey. And then it right. was just like Add this, take away this, raise this, do this. And They went back and forth for like a year until they developed like a flavor profile. So that's how that's how they came up with it. Um, but it's it's very tasty and it's very good whiskey and it's been tested by so many like whiskey snobs.
0: Oh, I, I pulled up one just because I like I said since I can't have any uh, and obviously. Like about- what was that? Yeah, no, I'm I'm. as soon as like I said, as soon as we're done, I'm definitely <laughs> going to order a bottle. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the interesting thing, like I'm I'm reading one right now and, you know, because it talks about the caramel and the vanilla flavors and so forth. And, you know, it's a rye, which I'm typically not a super big fan of, but ryes are to me a little bit overwhelming with kind of their smoky flavor and so forth. And the thing that was interesting about this one is, you know, the guy writes um, that there's a delicate mix of bright and slightly acidic vanilla Balanced by the, the rye and lilac, which really kind of threw me for a minute. And then he talks about, you know, on the palate, it has a really creamy, you know, caramel, sweet, but not super earthy and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, and, you know, has like some nutmeggy flavor on the back end burn. And I'm just kind of like, fuck, man, like I, I need <laughs> some of that. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a... So, I mean, it's one of those where, you know, I think a lot of people get involved in spirits and so forth. And, you know, I'm a huge collector, you know, big part of sort of the other part of our podcast name is brew, you know, craft cocktails, craft beers and so forth. And it's one of those (laughs) where, you know, you... Maybe
2: uh, I can probably, I'll see, you know, I don't know if it's so hard. I would just send you a bottle, but I can't even ship it myself. So it's kind of like almost easy order it but
0: yeah but i was gonna say it's one of those things where you see a lot of people getting involved in this space and then you you know i've talked to some people and they're like oh i I don't know we just basically gave them the license to use our name or whatever and we weren't involved in any way shape or form so especially with a whiskey i feel like there's so much more involved in it and the fermentation process and especially when you're trying to add different flavor profiles like it seems like you are with this that it seems like either you or both of you or someone really had to know what they wanted specifically because it's not that's not a typical kind of a rye flavor so i was kind of yeah. intrigued to to see that and be like all right well how did you get involved and how involved were you
2: yeah no no i mean my husband he really like like very much you know we came he came up with the recipe um so so yeah uh, and it's and it's very unique um and it's trademarked so like no one else can have it. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it is one of a kind <laughs> like there... the actual or you know whatever the you know the blend
0: i don't know yeah the proprietary blend is there plans to expand the line and, and do some other
2: oh yeah i'd love to i'm just i've had such a hard time getting this thing off the ground i mean, it's it's been frustrating to me because i'm i'm used to you know things just happening <laughs> um but uh but but yes there's definitely plans and um um i uh yeah i should make hopefully this year because we did have a lot of plans but covid kind of messed them up you know with, we had all these deals we were gonna you know that, that we got uh, the whiskey into like a whole bunch of new bars and we were gonna have opening parties and events and and that and you know covid kind of put a stop to that so and it's hard because people were like well people are buying more liquor than ever but i'm like that's at liquor stores and what for people to buy your your liquor at a liquor store they need to like already go in knowing your liquor so for a small you know the bars and stuff is where you really get your name so a lot of the plans we had kind of got put on hold so hopefully 2021 we can make now you've motivated me um <laughs> you asked me about it and being excited about it you've motivated me so i will i will make something happen and uh, and I hope by the end of the this year we can have nationwide distribution
0: too. That'd be good. I like I said, love. I'm a big whiskey person, and uh, you know, one of my things like there's a you know, obviously having drinks with different people. And someone that we're gonna have on the show soon is actually Johnny Christ from Avenged and his show that he does, Drinks with Johnny. And so, he have, oh, oh
2: he he does a show like about liquor.
0: Yeah, so basically he does just kind of a bullshit, like, you know, you talk, uh, you can find it on YouTube, it's more or less a YouTube uh, podcast kind of thing, and, uh, you know, he usually has a, a cocktail or, or a few or whatever, so it's one of those, like, where I'm really looking forward to having him on this, because it's, like, cool, so the two things I love doing are shooting the shit with people and basically having drinks, and usually those allow you to have more of a little bit more of a looser conversation, because you're just kind of sitting there going, like, yeah, okay, like, hey, cool, whatever, So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm actually talking to one of my craft cocktail friends uh, that works at one of the bars I go to, and I'm like, "Yo, we should uh, make a drink for him that's going to be specific for him for that show." So like when we're drinking, I'm like, "Yo, this is you know your drink essentially that I made for the or had someone make for this show," and I'm kind of kind of going around with some ideas of like my flavor profiles I'm thinking of and so forth. So it's uh,
2: well maybe do whiskey could be incorporated into it. So.
0: You know, it's I funny. I, I when we did the rebrand and, and changed changed from my old podcast name to Brutally Speaking, it was a thing where I figured the opportunity to you know not necessarily like this sounds kind of crass, but it's like I didn't necessarily want free shit, but I also <laughs> wanted to get to the point where it's like, look, I, I drink a lot of different stuff, and <laughs> you know, I'm basically pr- promoting, I'm getting and have a platform of some level that people would be like, like I was on. Uh, drinking the Metallica beer, and, and for an episode, and you know a lot of people thought it was funny because I go, "This people who stop drinking shouldn't be making alcohol," <laughs> <laughs> and I and then I just kept making other jokes about it. I was like, "Oh, it sounds like it tastes like Lars' snare tone on Saint Anger, like everyone hates wow. it," and it just was a thing where I was like, "That was really bad," and like I'm not gonna be, you know. If I like something, I like it. And you know, my thing was there's there are so many the world of spirits and beers is just growing and even, you know, having uh Willie from Lamb of God, because they created a non-alcoholic beer, so that and I was surprised at uh-huh. how good it tasted.
1: That's and awesome.
0: we were talking about how the non-alcoholic craft space is expanding now and you're, I mean, even getting into like seltzers and so forth. And now you're seeing hard lemonades coming up and you're just seeing the boom of craft, everything, craft teas, craft yeah. water. Like, so There's it's
2: a that, that liquid depth, you know, that water. I love
0: it. It's, I'm surprised I, I, I liked it. it. And yeah. I love using the can over and over again because it just keeps your water so fucking cold. But
2: it's, you know, it's so funny. I took, uh, I always have water with me, like in the car, you know, we live in California. It's dry. <laughs> I don't know. I got pulled over once because mm. I was literally drinking it in the car and I was like, it's water yeah. and the car, no so way. Like, and I was just chugging it because I was really thirsty. So I was like driving and chugging it. <laughs> He thought I was just drinking. I was like, it's water. And he's like, no, it's not. I'm like, taste it. Look at it. Look at the ingredients. And the cop was laughing hysterically. I was like, wow, you must have looked at me and thought, look at this idiot. You know? Chugging water while driving,
0: like chugging. <laughs> I had the, the same experience. I brought a couple of cans with me into work, and at the time I had a, like a long workbench kind of uh, set up, and I just had it sitting behind stuff so I didn't get it knocked over or spilled. And people were like, you just drinking like a fucking tall boy at work? And I was like, yes. I brought oh, a tall yeah. boy into work, and I'm just drinking yeah. it. Like, come You're on. Open. That's so
2: funny. But they did that on purpose. Oh, for they sure. Did, they but did it so. So you would get that reaction, but you know.
0: It's a, uh, it's one of those like a, uh, you know. There's, I saw a lot more potential for cross promoting. I'm a huge proponent and a fan of it, uh, especially smaller brands working together to kind of help each other grow so it it was a thing where i thought that was going to be something that could happen and then i was surprised that everyone i got into dealing with liquor law state laws and so forth it's actually a hell of a lot harder than i fucking thought it was going to be
2: so difficult i know and it sucks because i have so many people who are like i want to do something with dooms i want to do something with dooms and i'm like well i can only do something in california and it's like it's very hard i actually i've told people i'm like you know i'm happy to collaborate with people but it's actually cheaper for me to go buy someone else's like to go to the store and buy a bottle of something than to give away my own you know what yeah. i mean so sometimes people are like let's do this event let's do this event i'm like it's just not where i don't have enough product and i don't i can't just give away so much free product like every bottle is pretty expensive like i yeah. it would literally you know so i i have to pick and choose what i can do and i can't just. You know, we're so used to like, like liquor companies, the big ones, they give away products like it's nothing they will ship pallets of things to, you know, I mean, I, I was like, burning angel didn't even promote liquor in any way at all. And I remember that company, I think, because they wanted to, uh, like hit people to drink it that sparks, it was mm, like, a...
0: yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> disgusting, but like, awesome. I remember like, someone from sparks just like contacted me, like, I think they were just contacting anyone i don't know with a following i don't even know what it was this was so long ago and they're like oh you're like a person you know like a tastemaker whatever they called me like you know if you could just like we just want you to have this this was before twitter so it's not even like tweet about this they're like we just want you to have this like they got my email like okay they shipped to the, the old burning angel office like a palette of sparks there was like so much and i'm like we don't what are we gonna do like like we don't throw parties we're a porn site we, we can't we're not gonna give this out so there's I just a can playing, always
0: in the background Barks, of every scene you
2: know, like, <laughs> i can't there were we had boxes and boxes everywhere this is in new, when i still lived in new york so that you know apartments were small there was like Sparks was taking up like my whole <laughs> apartment. And so, you know, that's what like liquor companies do. And like, I go broke if I did that kind of thing, you know, to, but you know, so yeah. like we go, we with what cross promotions we do. Cause a lot of times with liquor cross promotion means tons of free product, which, you know, well, exactly. Well, but, I think, but I think
0: that's something that you probably have learned though, is it at times maybe it devalues your brand in the same sense too.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because, I did not find much value in Sparks after that. <laughs> <laughs> value, I never...
0: I don't know if lot. anyone did either.
2: <laughs> yeah. I root cod. That, that that's God, funny. That God,
0: that takes me back to, like... Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and It was, like, very 2005, right?
0: That and Four Locos, yeah. 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 Pretty
2: fun. Well, anyway, I do have to get ready. Uh, but, yeah. well, you, why don't you tell me? Because I was just actually stressing what what was your favorite part that you've read so far because i'm trying to decide which part i'm gonna read i've been actually having issues with it um uh i don't know is there any passage that stuck out to you
0: so it it did and it's a very weird reason why and it was the uh the jerk off booth part if that whole scene, oh, going like
2: to the that, store. I really well, love that chapter. I'm glad you said that, because I that was one that I thought of. That's a very funny chapter, right?
0: It is, and the reason that it was funny to me is... You know, Naomi's talking about the scene and how she's, you know, remembering the box cover and all that kind of stuff and then felt inconvenienced that the guy up front couldn't even provide the tissue box, a full yeah. one. And it reminded me of at our, when I worked at Deja Vu, we had like the jerk off boots and sometimes I would. Oh, work the, Yeah. And so we would work the morning. A lot of times I'd work the morning shift another kind of tie over to the clientele that shows up at that point but we would open and there'd be a line and I'm like holy shit there are people that are here at 10 o'clock to fucking see the girls no they beeline for the jerk off booths and then fucking get out of there and we would and I was like they made a joke once they're like yeah you got to clean that once every other day and I was like I'm not fucking doing that and then finally they're like no we pay like a bum he just comes in and basically paints over it every every week they just painted the walls. And like, we, thats were, a new
2: one. I haven't heard that. Yeah. They before. would just paint
0: the walls. I mean, no pun intended. They paint the walls white again and just paint the walls, but that you would see like, like at one time they were like, yeah, you know, like you get it. And like, I was like, why are we repainting the ceiling? It's like, oh no, like you'll see like people fucking throw it on the ceiling and shit. I was like, why? And then, you know, I was almost expecting one of your, your day shift, uh, stories and maybe I just haven't come across it is I remember in, in your
1: story, <laughs>
2: My other book. Night shift is all about a porn store with jerk-off boots in it. Like the whole book is about jerk-off boots, more or, or less. Or, or you should uh, read it out next. Um, yeah. But so, the small section of this book.
0: It was uh it was really funny though, because like I remember during the day shift, we'd be in the VIP lounge watching the prices right on the giant TV back there. And then if it was really boring, we would uh the girls would because we had one who had won Polelympics Olympics uh, out in Vegas, like oh. a couple years running and just absolutely amazing to watch um and she would took it upon herself to try to teach me in my stupid deja vu outfit that you have to wear the uniform to try to teach me pole tricks and i ate shit so many times
2: funny <laughs> oh, you know it's like riding a bike once you once you do it you
0: know yeah i never learned though but i i also never didn't know that the pole moved too so when it oh. moved with me i was like oh shit <laughs> so oh,
2: that- Well, thank you. It's so good to meet you. You as
0: well. Uh, Where can everyone find you or anything you would like to plug here at the end?
2: Yeah, follow me on Instagram, just Joanna Angel. Follow me on Twitter, Joanna Angel. Both my accounts are verified. Do not follow a fake Joanna. Or if you do follow a fake Joanna, don't give them money. (laughs) 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 The lies they tell you. Don't be suckered. I don't have sick relatives that i need money for i don't um i'm, I'm not having problems in my relationship um i'm not a. Uh, yeah so don't believe any of the any of the lies um and um yeah please buy my book club 42 you can buy it on amazon um there, if you follow me on instagram or twitter i'm always posting links to different indie bookstores that have it but you could buy it pretty much anywhere the books are sold but it's club 42 uh by joanna angel
0: I know with a lot Check of it out. last question about that. I know a lot of uh, independent authors that do stuff with indie indie bookstores. Are you doing any uh, like signed versions on your store?
2: Well, yeah, I, the, I mean the, the signing I'm doing tonight um, I do have yeah I've been working with a few indie bookstores that have signed copies so if you go on my social media pages um, I have links to the signed copies there awesome. but they're very limited so you gotta get them soon
0: awesome. <laughs> well enjoy the rest of your evening uh, good luck with your uh, virtual book tour and uh, looking forward to hopefully more people reading this book it was a lot of fun chatting with you
2: have a good night you as well okay bye 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 bye.
0: so that was my conversation with Joanna Angel again her new book Club 42 is already out uh, go pick it up you are wherever you can uh, thoroughly enjoyed that chat. Uh, I think, you know, the fun thing in the last couple of weeks of doing this show uh, has been, I think, kind of learning more, at least about me. <laughs> I don't think people knew that my one of my first jobs was working at a strip club or any of that kind of stuff. And like I said, it's looking back, I realized how much that job taught me. Um, it was a job in an industry that taught me how to hustle in a lot of different ways it taught me the value of it. It showed me that men can be really fucking shitty. Like I saw the worst kinds of dudes, but I also saw really great people coming into that club. You know, there was a doctor that would come in. He was married. Sometimes he'd bring his wife. Sometimes he wouldn't. He would come in like on a two and that motherfucker would show out and he wouldn't even get dances from girls necessarily. He would just be like, Hey, here's like a hundred bucks. He would leave and leave me a hundred bucks. And I didn't, fucking do anything for him it was just nice and it was almost yeah. like we were kind of like an ancillary bar or just an escape for him just to kind of go hang out in for a hot minute and you know i've i've seen some of the nicest things done to people like there was i mean the shitty part is someone stole one girl's money um no one admitted to it but the thing that i was really surprised at and i and i've honestly never seen something like this in any other job i've had all the girls pool together and made up what she lost wow and i've never seen something so nice and so so selfless uh as i i have that and it's always something that stuck with me there just becomes this sense of kind of camaraderie uh that i've also not really seen anywhere and i think it's because you you, they're literally having to bear all uh truest of senses and they have to be Themselves, They have to be a heightened version of themselves, um, sort of like wrestling and wrestlers are like professional wrestling. But it still is a thing where there's still people. And at yeah. the end of the day, what they are selling is basically them. And I think while a lot of people would probably look down on that and say it's the lowest common denominator and it's it's yours. You, they're not valuable because there's so many other valuable things they could be doing. I would define someone to do it. And see what you find out about yourself. And I think Joanna's book does a really great job of explaining from the woman's perspective and from her character's perspective of that empowerment and how you, you know, find this part of yourself that you weren't sure of, you know, and you find more confidence in who you are.
1: Well, and I want to circle back a little bit to that lowest common denominator thing. Uh you know, people people are gonna say that and kind of kind of like kind of like what I was talking about uh in the intro that that lowest common denominator like the the value uh that people that people give uh entertainment workers like that uh that's a value that they place on the workers it's not that it's not that they themselves have no value um it is more just that there are unfor- unfortunately because of all of the repression of all of these things by society um this society man it's all a conspiracy um but the the these things are kind of forced on people um, because the people that are that, that say it's lowest common they, because they feel guilty about it. They come in, they show up, they enjoy the entertainment, but then they feel guilt about it. So they, they trash talk it. Right. You know, and that's it's 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 not it's not the people themselves. They're the ones that get criticized. But really, it's it's. Society at large that puts that low dollar amount on it, even though they show up in droves. But they've they've also just kind of compartmentalized it into just being entertainment, cheap, easy entertainment. And um, you that that's that's where I think a lot of the generosity can sometimes be lost. The yeah, human decency factor of it.
0: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting bigger topic uh, that we can't necessarily well i mean a will never be solved but b i think uh it's just way too much to get into (laughs) at the outro of a thing you know the whole point of this was you know kind of to have more fun and just kind of have like a differing kind of guest on the show i mean the thing is is like you might see joanna angel and you might be like oh what the fuck like why is she on this show but you know whether you realize it or not she is like I said part of this world of music that we're in like the original Burning Angel videos heavily featured music from you know the likes of some of the punk bands on Epitaph and so forth and working with Epitaph to even recently in the last handful of years being uh, in one of the first W no videos yeah yeah so it's she Joanna is totally ensconced in a lot of what we do and the people we have on this show so it, it felt great to to finally have you know someone who i think is a is a great businesswoman and someone that i think you can learn a lot from uh aside from you know necessarily what she does but i think just the go get and and the diy vibe of how she built her career how she built her whole um and i've made no bones about it i love having women on the show because as we've been over the last month or so is it gives you a different perspective than your own or our own and at times I think that's it's invaluable to have that so I uh, I was really stoked when you know the email came across to that she was, had a book coming out and you know that she was actually gonna be able to come on so hopefully down the road maybe we can have her and uh, her husband back on talk a little bit about their whiskey uh, maybe at that point I can get some I mean like she said you can order it and it'll ship but uh, not entirely sure um, I still need when to do that. But it's gonna show up yeah. Yeah well if it will because sometimes well, you know. Like,
1: that's like buying line these days so
0: yeah or it goes to dan's house
1: or it goes to my house yeah
0: i'm always afraid when i order stuff now it's just gonna end up at your house
1: <laughs> yeah i'm gonna have it's funny yeah you're gonna like come down here to visit in like 10 years and i'll have like a i'll have like a whole john section just so <laughs> set aside where it's like which one of your records do you like to take home um all of them you're gonna need a bigger car <laughs> <laughs> uh Yes. Um,
0: but no, this was a lot of fun and I, I really hope everyone kind of enjoys his potential. Um, we're going to kind of get into this territory soonish uh, down the road with another guest, uh, hoping it pans out. All I will do now, I will just tease it. And uh, yeah. In wrapping up this episode, if you would like to keep up with Joanna, uh, you can find her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Joanna angel. I will preface the Twitter is very not safe for work. Uh, the rest obviously are fine um so if you're i just don't want anyone to be surprised um there Can't are i
1: imagine they would be but yeah uh
0: sometimes i forget uh when i'm scrolling through twitter and there's you know the stuff that's on her twitter and i'm like oh yeah whoops. Just,
1: just don't come yell at us is yes. what we're
0: saying. <laughs> um but yeah follow her on all of her stuff um and again uh there are link trees and all of her uh different social medias uh you can go and buy this book um you can buy her other book which i'm kind of intrigued and i think i want to buy the other one just to see how that is um i did kind of like the choose your own to go into the graphics of what the choose your own adventure was but uh Uh, i did i did joke with dan at one point i was like oh i'd be interested to see if you chose anal or if you chose a hand job," (laughs) and he's like i will do neither of those things i
1: will i will i will happily abstain thank you
0: (laughs) um But yeah, so if you uh, are into this or intrigued by basically our conversation, again, uh, you can go to Kleist Press, uh, go to the links in Joanna's uh, social medias and purchase yourself a copy. And uh, Dan will tell you where he can be found uh purchasing things online himself.
1: Yeah, uh, well I can be found at discussmetal.com. Actually John and I both can be found there uh, on our other podcast Discography Discussion. Uh I also host a podcast called Discuss Metal. Uh, I am a YouTuber. I release uh I release live stream gaming content on YouTube. If you look for Discuss Metal Dan on YouTube, I will pop right up there. And um yeah, so I do I do two other shows, a YouTube show. Uh, I have a new one called uh, fps uh which is about video games first person shooters from the 90s very niche i know but uh it's fun to talk about so uh, yeah make sure to check out all that youtube content and uh we have episodes of podcasts and interviews and sometimes interviews i do on here it's just it's kind of just a catch-all right now for uh for everything that i do everything i'm part of so uh yeah So it's just a nice place to put all my crap, you know, so come watch my crap. (laughs) And if you would like to keep up with everything, this podcast, it's
0: simple enough. Brewspeakpod.com is the landing page for everything. This podcast, we have merch, we have sponsors, we have everything that you will need to know about this show. Rate, review, subscribe, wherever you're listening to this. That also helps tremendously. Um, You hear the pitch on every other show. We're not going to do it here. Just please help us do that. And uh, speaking of our sponsors, if you would like to support them, that would be greatly appreciated and head on over to Rockabilia.com, where they have over 500,000 items in their online store. And you don't worry about the integrity of the products you're getting as they are a hundred percent officially licensed through the bands. So not only are you supporting the bands but and rockabilia but you're supporting us as well and we're going to save you a little bit of money use our code brew and you'll save 10% off your total purchase order so thanks again to rockabilia on point pomade keep your beard and hair on point use our code bsp15 and take 15% off your total purchase order uh, again want to keep you for this new year even if you're just you know doing zoom dates or something actually a friend of mine uh, said he did a virtual date and I was like what the fuck that's what we've t- <laughs> that's what everything's turning not only are you Swiping right or left to to potentially match with dates, but now you're doing your dates virtually. Like, that sucks. That's neither here. Nor there. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't sound like fun at all. No, no. Although I guess it'd be a little bit harder for them to be. You know, I guess catfish kind of
1: Net- has- Netflix and actually chill. And that was
0: just. Uh, I guess if I've learned anything from catfish is that uh, people can always come up with excuses as to why you can't video chat with them.
1: <laughs> yeah, very. I don't know. My camera's not working. I don't know. I just did an update. Yeah, okay. Just use your phone. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't have a phone. Uh, I lost that. Okay. Yeah. I I lost it like yesterday. It's, it's the craziest thing. (laughs) Well, how were
0: you texting me earlier? Oh, just
1: don't worry. Just, I I have an I have an app on my phone, my computer, but, oh, user has signed off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And last but not least is the bean bastard. Uh, Head on over to the beanmaster.com. Get some delicious coffee um looking forward to uh getting some more blends actually i'm starting to run kind of low so probably be putting in a re-up order i'll definitely have to uh buy a couple bags let dan pick a bag or two, send them his way and uh right. yeah and for the brutally speaking podcast i am john and i am dan we will talk to you all next week with we'll circle we back absolutely,
1: we absolutely will